Hey, this is the podcast for Centerpoint Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And my name is Jason. I'm so thankful that you're spending some time with us this week. We're going to be looking at the book of Philemon. And it's going to be a message called Hope for a Slave. It's a complicated book. It's a short book. But what the main theme is, is how the love of God permeates throughout all of society. I think you're going to get some pretty good stuff out of it. Let's jump in. Today's message is actually a one-shot, which simply means it's just, it's not even a series. It's a one-time thing. I don't do this very often, so feel special, all right? But it's happening today. This message is called Hope for a Slave. Hope for a Slave. And I'm preaching on a book of the Bible that I've never preached on before. And I'm preaching on a book of the Bible that I actually haven't really heard anybody in real life preach on before. Now, some people have, but I've just never heard it. And it's the book of Philemon. It's a, it's a book that's later on in the New Testament. It's right towards the tail end of Paul's writings. And, and the book of Philemon, it, it falls into a special category because it is actually a book, a letter, that's written to one individual. So that doesn't happen a whole lot in the Bible. You have First and Second Timothy, you have Titus, you have Philemon. And, and, and it doesn't just, it isn't just, it isn't written to a church. It isn't written to an area. It's written to one person. And it's written around AD 61, somewhere around there. And so if you're good at math, you'll realize that Jesus has now been off of his earthly, been done with his earthly ministry for about three decades. And, and Paul is writing from a Roman prison. And so this is called one of the prison epistles. It's because one of the letters that he wrote while he was in jail. And the reason I think that a lot of people don't preach on it is two reasons, actually. One, it's only one chapter, 25 verses. So it's a great one to read in the morning, Tony. And then when you go to work, you're like, yeah, you know, I just got up early and read an entire book of the Bible this morning. No big deal. It's only 25 verses. And then the other part is, and this is the what I'm being serious about. I think that we don't talk about it very much because the story of slavery is intertwined throughout this book. And, and sometimes that's a difficult conversation to navigate. And we're going to take care of all of it today. I'm never one to shy away from something difficult in the Bible. But, but the first thing is I wanted to tell you this before we jump into it, is just because something is in the Bible does not mean that it's permissible by God. So to steal a phrase from Hillary Clinton, there are some deplorable things in the Bible. Too soon for that? Some deplorable things in the Bible, and it doesn't mean that God permits it. See, the, the, the story and the point of the Bible is not so that there's social reform. It's not so that there would be rules and regulations that people would follow. The point of the Bible, the point of the New Testament is to organically change man's heart. And that's what Paul is going to try to do in this letter. Now, slavery was very much common in the Roman culture. So the backdrop of the entire New Testament is Rome. And slavery was part of the Roman Empire. Now, it's different than what you're thinking of as slavery in early American history. Just as bad, but different. Slavery in Rome, first of all, it accounted for, at times, up to 25% of the population were slaves. And that's why there was such difficult and, and tough punishments if a slave ran away. Like, one of the things I read is they would take an F for fugitive and brand it in their forehead. So for the rest of your life, they would know 
The other thing that I read is, and this was pretty cool, uh, that's not cool, but it's interesting, (laughs) is they would take a pond of eels and they would throw the slaves in them. Uh, And so what they wanted to do is be so cruel that when people heard about it, they would would never, you know, fall into that again. And so, but the slaves could be, some of them were doctors, accountants, librarians, like there was some professional people. You would go into slavery because either you were born into it or because you had some sort of debt that you couldn't pay. So rather than take a mortgage and pay five and a half percent interest rate, my goodness, you you would just sell yourself into slavery for X number of, of years, depending upon your cost. So Paul would write this letter to a dude by the name of Philemon who was a slave owner. We're going to talk about him in just a second. But this is a companion letter to the letter to the church of Colossae. You know it as the book of Colossians. So they kind of go together. So Paul's writing to the church in Colossae, but then he also is writing a letter simultaneously to a man by the name of Philemon who was a leader in that church. So they go hand in hand. And if you read the book of Colossians, you'll see that there's a lot of the same themes because no doubt it was on Paul's mind. So let me introduce you to the first character. It's Philemon. Now write all of this down, scramble, take a picture with your phone, or just sit there and pretend like you're going to memorize it. Or you could be one of the 13 to 14 people that go back and watch this on YouTube. I don't mean to brag. It's just the numbers, okay? But, but, <laughs> but this is Philemon, a slave owner. He's a friend of Paul's, and we're going to find out right in this first part that he was the host of a home church in Colossae. So if you host a home church, it means, one, you're probably pretty important within the church. It also means you're probably rich because you can afford to host a whole home church in your house. Like, I can barely fit a connect group in my house, but then again, I'm not Philemon. And so we need to know who he is, so we're going to go through now and see what Paul's intro is. And can you guess what book, what chapter in Philemon that we're going to start off in? It's one, because there's only one. Can you guess what verse we're going to start off in? That you just guessed on. You didn't know that, but that's the truth. We're going to be in Philemon verse one. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Hold up, hold up. Dang, I only got through like what? Five words? Sorry, I just got to point this out real quick because it's super cool. It shows Paul's perspective. He's a prisoner, yes, but he didn't say I'm a prisoner of Rome because even though he was a prisoner of Rome, he had the eternal perspective, the macro, the big picture saying, no, 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 I'm a prisoner, but it's not of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and man cannot take that away. Can I get an amen, church? Let's see how far I can go before I interrupt again. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. Underline those two words. That's how we know that he's a believer. To the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldiers. So historians say that Aphia is probably his wife and Archippus is probably his oldest son. Our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 3 right here is a very common intro. It's how you would start a lot of letters, whether they're canon, scripture, or not. It's how you would start it. So you have grace, which would be Greek, charis, charis, Greek for grace. And then you would have shalom in Hebrew for peace. And so you cover Greek and you covered Hebrew. This would be the equivalent, ladies, of when you send a text and you start off with, hey girl, G-U-R-L. Are you still doing that? No? 
Okay, I'm, I'm old. I, this is why I needed to be a youth pastor. Like, they kept me cool. Uh, hey, girl, now you're whispering. No doubt about me. Thanks. I'm trying to have my self-esteem not decrease dramatically. So, and then there's Hebrew uh, guys who'd be the equivalent of, hey, bro. No? Okay. Hey, bruh, B-R-U-H. Is that correct? No, that's old too? Golly, man, I'm still using Windows 98. Have some patience. The point of all of that isn't to show how uncool I am. The point is, is that when you see those things, they show up in multiple books of the Bible. So I just want to increase your knowledge. And in verses four through seven, Paul is then going to tell Philemon, he's going to talk him up a little bit. Like, I appreciate you. You're killing it. You're doing a good, yeah, they say, no, that's old too. Okay. I'm done with it. I'm not going to ask anymore, but, but he's, he's, he's puffing him up a little bit. And here's why, because he's about to drop a bomb on him. So he's saying, hey, you're doing a good job. I know who you are. We've been friends a while. I've seen all of these things. And now I want you to be introduced to our second character besides Paul, and it's Onesimus. And so Onesimus is why Paul is writing to Philemon. Onesimus is the slave that Philemon owns, and he ran away. And scripture is going to imply that he actually stole money on his way out. So now you have a slave owner whose slave ran away and also stole money on the way out. So he probably gets this letter and he's like, dude, Paul wrote me? This is great. I wonder what it is. And it starts off like just talking all these great things about him. And he's like, man, I, this is, Paul's a good guy. You want me to what? To who? So what we find out in scripture is that apparently Onesimus, Onesimus ends up in a Roman prison. So fleeing to Rome if you're a slave is pretty common. It's a big city. There's people who are former slaves, present slaves. It's easy to blend in in a crowd. So, so somehow he ends up, though, in jail, and Scripture doesn't tell us how, but he ends up in the same cell as Paul. I felt that way when, when I moved into my new house, and, like, the person across the street is like, nah, I don't, I don't go to church anymore. And I'm like, well, stinks for you because a preacher just moved in across the street. And it's kind of that way. It's like, dude, I ended up in jail and I'm here with Paul. I mean, my gosh, you know. And I would imagine that conversation probably looked something like, like, because uh, we see that Paul leads him to Christ. And then he leads him to Christ and he says, hey, oh, by the way, you got to go back and make right what you wronged. You, hey, welcome. Welcome to the family of Christians. Now go back to your owner, owner and tell him what you did. And then, and then I would imagine that in that conversation, Onesimus was probably like, yeah, yeah, I'm from Colossae. And Paul's like, oh, I've been to Colossae. I helped plant the church there. And he's probably like, oh, okay. And then he's like, well, so, so, so you're a slave there who, who owned you. And he's like, oh, you probably don't know who it is. It's a guy named Philemon. And Paul's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Philemon. I led him to the Lord. And Onesimus is probably like, great, what else? So you need to go back. But don't worry. I'm going to write a letter ahead of time and I'm going to try to set the stage for your freedom, but not your physical freedom. We're going to try to let Philemon know about spiritual freedom. Verse 8. This is Paul writing to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Therefore, Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. He's saying, you know, I could tell you, but I'm not that guy. 
I'm going to appeal to you. Being such as one as Paul, the aged and now prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's the phrase the second time. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. That's how we know it happened in jail. Who was once unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Unprofitable. One translation says useful. And it's a play on words. Paul is an amazing writer. He's also really smart, and he's passive-aggressive. I can, I can relate to all of those things. And, and, he, he, uh, <laughs> and he writes this letter, and he, and he uses this, this play on words because the name Philemon actually means profitable or useful. So Paul knows exactly what he's doing. He's saying, hey, this guy's worth nothing to you now because he ran away and you didn't even know where he was. But now he's become profitable to me. He's part of my ministry. He's helping me out. But I'm about to show you a way that he can both be profitable to me as well as you, Philemon. Verse 12, this has got to be tough for Onesimus to hear. I am sending him back. What courage. Have you ever been at that spot where you gave your life to the Lord and you start thinking about some of the people that you've wronged and you had to go back and say, I know that I did this, but let me tell you who I am now and I'm sorry. That's not easy. I don't like doing that. Fortunately, I was perfect before I met Jesus. As, as much sarcasm as I could possibly pour onto something. <laughs> I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. I love that phrase. Whom I wish to keep with me that on be your, your behalf he might minister to me in chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion as if it were but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. He said, this, this may be why this all happened. That you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. There's two themes of the book of Philemon. Write these down. Two main themes of the book of Philemon. The first one is equality, and the second one is imputation. Not amputation. That's very different. Imputation. And I want to establish right off the bat what I mean by equality, because that's a word that's thrown around a lot right now. The way that it's thrown around right now outside of Christian circles is whatever I want to do is equal to whatever you want to do, so you can't judge me and let me do what I want to do. False. What this equality is talking about is this idea that within the body of Christ, we are all equal. Is that the, 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 the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And this was radical at the time. What Paul is trying to say is, man, woman, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, whatever your last name is, whatever your past Whatever you're present, if you give your life to the Lord, then we are all the same in God's eyes. If, if, if you have to sit there and think and look through Scripture that he says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that man is made in the image of God, then these have to go together. But at the time, that was radical. And I would like to tell you that in 2022, we are no longer feeling tension or separation by race. I would like to tell you that. 
I would like to tell you that we no longer feel any tension or arguments about gender issues. But that would be false. Oh, the book of Philemon on the surface appears to like it has nothing to do with you and I, but when you start digging under the surface, it is still pertinent to today. I like that Paul isn't writing this letter trying to convince Philemon that slavery is wrong. Now, that may sound like it's weird, but just give me a second. Because he wasn't interested in writing about Jesus for social reform or for a law. I can't pass a law that tells you not to hate your neighbor and you didn't make it work. I can't pass a law that tells you to stop sinning. Man cannot change man. I've tried. I've been married 16 years. I've been trying to change my wife. It doesn't work. And she's been trying to change me, and it's kind of worked. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. What Paul is trying to do here is not to change. He doesn't ever condone slavery, but the opposite. What he's tra- but, but, but the opposite of condoning it. What, what he's trying to do here is change his heart. He is saying, I'm going to send him back to you, this time not as property you own, but this time as a brother in Christ. And it's the idea of the gospel should leak into all of our relationships. It should pour over into every single area of life within the church. The poorest person in this room, it's probably me, is just as valuable to Jesus as the wealthiest person in this room. The person with the worst past ever is just as valuable to the person who's squeaky clean and never made any mistakes. And we have to understand that equality. May I ask you a question? That's rhetorical. I'm going to ask you anyway. Have you ever been in love? Raise your hand if you ever been in love. Some of you are like dating right now, and it's like, did I raise my hand? I don't know. I've been in love. But my love's a little different. Because I've been married 16 years. And after 16 years, I'm in love. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not talking about that kind of love today. I want to talk about those of you who are in love. You know what I'm talking about. It's disgusting. <laughs> love. It's two syllables. Have you ever seen somebody who's in love? I have to stifle the vomit in my throat when I'm around them. Like, everything is just prettier. The flowers smell better. It's just beautiful. You're dancing everywhere. Not like, you know, the TikTok dances, but I mean like the sound of music dances, right? Like, and, and, and everything is just, oh, it's fantastic. And guys, you might as well say goodbye to your friends for the next 18 months because they ain't going to see you. This guy's laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. Because you forsake your friends to go have movie night after movie night after movie night. Lame. But I did it too. Because I was in love. I hate hiring people who are single. I've done it now at two different churches. I swore I would never do it. You want to know why? Because inevitably they're going to fall in love. And when they fall in love, their work productivity tanks for 18 months. I'm spitting. It's a little Pentecostal in me. Forgive me. <laughs> Takes. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because they're in love. 
And you young people who are in love right now, or whatever, anybody who's in love right now, you got it lucky. Let me tell you why. (laughs) Because I had to call a girl's house and pray that her dad didn't answer the phone. (laughs) Yes, hi, this is Jason. May I speak to your daughter, sir? You'll never feel that level of stress. (laughs) I've had a guy tell me no. Hang up on me. And now that I look back, I would have told me no too because now I got two daughters. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Jeez. Why am I telling this story? Is it because I'm charismatic and funny? Yes, but it's also because when you're in love, it seeps into every area of your life. Everything. Your work, your social life, your thought process, your words. Do you remember when you had to be on the phone and you were calling, but you couldn't be on the dial-up internet at the same time you're on the phone, and I'm trying to talk to a girl, and then I hear that sound called AOL dial-up. It sounds like a banshee that just escaped hell. Oh my gosh. Mom, I'm on the phone. Oh, are you talking to that nice girl, Stephanie? No, that was last week, but now this one's over too. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> that wasn't me. I'm kidding. Mostly. But, but, but being in love seeps into every area. I had some friends over a few nights ago, and we had tacos. And I introduced my friend Mike to one of the greatest inventions ever made. Zoom in on that, camera boy. It's a cameraman. I know, Dale. You're 20. You got the whole world figured out. It, it, it's a taco plate. And it's awesome because I'm still six years old. I don't like my food to touch. And so it has your segments. But not only that, you see these grooves right here? Oh, my gosh. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, you set your taco there so it stays standing up. Otherwise, I know. I'll sell this to you. But, but otherwise, you fill this taco and then, like, it falls over and all the stuff goes and just spills out, right? It doesn't make that noise, but it spills out. But this prevents that but there's a flaw in the design and I didn't see it until this week and I've had this thing for years. And, and, and here's the flaw in the design. If you look over at these two segments, camera boy, it doesn't connect right here, which is fine if you have your standard sides for Mexican food, refried beans and rice, right? Some of you rednecks call it rice, but, but rice. But we didn't have that. For the first time ever, we put cheese dip in this plate, the side right here. And here's the problem. See how it's not connected? So the cheese dip poured into everything. What a flaw. Because now I have cheese all over everything. And then I quickly discovered this isn't a flaw. This is brilliant because now I have cheese all over everything. <laughs> Remember when you're in love and everything's more beautiful and smells, smells better and, and, and is prettier? And it's that way with cheese, man. Beans taste better. Rice tastes better. Tacos a little messier, but it tastes better. So more than a flaw, I saw the beauty in that, and that's a message all in itself. But why am I telling you this? Is it because, A, I'm charismatic, B, I'm funny, C, all of the above? Is because the cheese spilled into everything. I want you to remember this because I want you to associate it to a deep theological theme here that Paul is trying to write in Philemon is that if you have given your life to the Lord, if you are following Jesus, then the Holy Spirit should seep over into every area of your life. Our tendency is to take our our spiritual life and put it in a box and put it up on the shelf till next Sunday. But if you've given your life to the Lord and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday have not changed at all, you are missing out on what God wants to do. And so every relationship we have 
the message of Jesus, the message of equality, the message of imputation, which we'll get to, should seep over into every area. Every area should be different. And this is what Paul is trying to say. Paul argues that the gospel ought to be infused in the church in every area, racially, socioeconomically, gender equality. All of these areas should be seeped into rather than separate categories. Listen to what Paul says, same idea, but this time he's writing to the church of Galatia, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This was radical at the time. And it's still radical thinking today. Verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would receive me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Some of you may say, put that on my tab. I want you to underline those five words. Put that on my account. Because this is going to be the intro to our final piece of the doctrine of imputation. Verse 19, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention that you owe me, even your own self besides. Now, 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 when I first read that, I thought, why on earth would he say I'm writing that in my own hand? Like, that's a strange thing to say. And here it is, is, is that the letters in both the Old and New Testament, but in particular the New Testament, they would use this thing called dictation, which is somebody would write it for them. It's kind of the equivalent of voice texting, yeah? Or using Siri. Oh, I'm going to make somebody's phone go off. I've done that before. It's weird. Uh, and you would say something, and they would write this down. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. I'm writing this with my own hand. That's his way of saying, this is important to me. I want you to know that this came from me directly. When you fill out a welcome card at the church, you will get a handwritten postcard from me. It is with my own hand. It's not that my hand is special, but it's that I want to show you that I have taken the time because it's worth it. It's important. And that's what Paul is saying. I'm writing this with my own hand. And whatever he owes you, put that on my account. This is the doctrine of imputation. The word imputed, this is important. Maybe the most important thing we've talked about today. Plus, if you can add this to your vocabulary, you'll really impress your friends. To impute means that somebody needs to be held responsible. Someone's got to pay for this. And the doctrine of imputation is what Paul is echoing right here. It's what Jesus did. The doctrine of imputation, you may have heard of it called justification. They're synonyms. But the correct one is imputation. It's this idea of what we did somebody's got to be held responsible for the sin in your life and my life somebody's got to be held responsible there's got to be a payment for sin and the doctrine of imputation is this you and I are all born into sin because of Adam's sin if you don't believe me go volunteer in tiny town too and watch for two seconds man those kids are born into sin If you think all humans are born good, go into Tiny Town too, Or spend an hour at my house. But imputation says that what we did, 
Somebody had to be held responsible and we give it to Jesus. He took it. So when you read and you see in the Gospels, Jesus is almost dreading this cross and he's saying, have this cup pass from me. We, in our human perspective, we think that it's because of the, the, he was going to get beat and stripped naked and spit on. And I think that was maybe a small percentage of it. But I think what Jesus was worried about the most was for the first time in his existence, he would be separated from God because a holy God cannot be in the presence of sin. And that's why when he's hanging on the cross, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there's separation. And during that separation, the wrath of God for all of man's sins poured upon Jesus. Somebody's got to pay for this. And Jesus said, put that on my account. I got it. But that's only half of the doctrine of imputation. If that was it, we would leave and be like, man, that's sad. But the other half is this, is that when our sins were imputed, what was ours became Jesus's, but then what was Jesus's became ours. It's passed back. And here's why that's important. Because some of you in this room have let Satan convince you that you are less than. And if you let Satan convince you that you are less than and you've given your life to the Lord, then you have minimized what Jesus did on the cross. It's your way of saying it wasn't good enough. What Jesus did wasn't powerful enough. But because of the doctrine of imputation, we get what Jesus is. And Jesus is righteous. Jesus is holy. And that's how you and I can be washed clean and be sons and daughters of Yahweh himself. But if I stood up here before this sermon and I said, how many of you are righteous? Very few of you would have raised your hand. But Jesus is sitting there saying, no, no, you are righteous because of what I've done. It's already been paid. So we can sit here and we can feel good or we can do something about it. Because how many people you know in your life right now are walking around less than? What if you've given your life to the Lord? Righteous. So let's walk out with our head held high and act like we are the sons and daughters of the Most High King. Because here's the final thing. Jesus paid for what we did but now what was Jesus's becomes ours. We now can be co-heirs to the kingdom of heaven. Would you stand with me, church? If you haven't given your life to the Lord, then the doctrine of imputation does not apply to you. You are hopeless. And every situation you're in is hopeless. But if you've given your life to the Lord, if you've declared him as your Lord and Savior, forgive me of my sins. If you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus has died for your sins and raised from the grave, then the imputation is already paid.